0: Hey, everybody. Thanks for taking the time to listen to the Real Talk podcast. We hope that these discussions will inform and inspire you to engage in your own Real Talk. Today's episode is brought to you by our official sponsor, TriVan. Builders of custom trucks, trailers, and enclosure buildings tailored to your needs. Be sure to check them out at www.trivan.com. A big thanks to them for making these conversations possible. Now, on to the episode.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Real Talk, Real Talk Roundup number three, episode 65. I don't know what we're calling this, maybe juggling with John. John seems to have picked up a new habit of learning how to juggle at, uh, I wouldn't say ripe old age, but middle age. Hey, John, how's that going for you?
2: Yeah, I uh, discovered I'm more coordinated than I used to be. So um, Tyler says he's got some tips for me and uh, away I'll go. Perfect. We're
3: going to start a Real Talk juggling course. So. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: Very nice. I'm sure that'll sell like hotcakes. Uh, in the meantime, we got to juggle around a few ideas and thoughts on the various uh, past three episodes we did. So I'll just lay that out for all the listeners so they don't uh, just hear us talk about juggling all day long. We had education uh, with John William, reformed education. And then that was with Tyler. I talked to Reverend Eric, Eric Watkins about church planting and evangelism. And then finally, uh, I talked to uh, Mike Schutten from ARPA about uh, medical assistance in dying, what's going on in our country, or at least in Canada, I should say our country, as we have the American on this podcast as well. So that's what uh, we have on deck today, as well as uh, a couple of stellar book recommendations from uh, the one and only John Dykstra. Today's uh, topic will be biography, so he'll give us a nice little top 10 there midway through the show, so stay tuned for that if you're looking to add to your reading list for 2023. And uh, without further ado, I think we'll head to John for his thoughts on the first ed episode, which was education uh, with John William.
2: Yeah, I I met John uh, one time before. I was really impressed to kind of get a a longer intro through through the episode. Uh, where I bumped into him was at a conference for teachers in BC to deal with uh, some some of the curriculum changes being requested about Indigenous peoples. They want to have a A bigger amount of uh, materials covered so our schools were kind of wrestling with that but one of the things uh that john wanya brought up was uh the 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 sin that occurred in the residential schools one of the big sins i mean there's physical abuse sexual abuse all that but but was the stealing of kids and so um as he put it in the residential schools the parents of first nation children had their kids taken away from them. And the idea was to assimilate them into the ideology of Western society. So they want to, they wanted to Christianize them, whatever. Well, now we have gender ideology. We have uh, sexual ideology. We have, and actually we have native spirituality being imposed in public schools and uh, being pushed in, in all schools. Um, and whether the parents are up for that or not, and it seems like the the major lesson is being forgotten. And so I really appreciated him bringing that up. Um, it's it's a it's a horrible irony. I hope we don't forget it, because we can kind of use this as an opportunity to say, hey, you know what? Um, um, he he noted too. Even the United Nations um, Declaration of Human Rights says parents get to educate their kids in their ideology. Um, so, when when the pressure comes, if we have to celebrate, um, you know, native spirituality, because it, you know, in our own schools, it it, it is a weird irony. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that is true. Um, I'm kind of, there's a bunch in there, including the the, the rhyming. Um, what, Tyler, do you remember what it was? The Covenantally founded, confessionally grounded, enmity surrounded,
3: and bound in unity. Unity bounded.
2: bound. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so it's just that third one. I think is uh, enmity surrounded. Um, did you guys have that emphasized that that you're that when you went out into the you graduated, you're kind of going into a battlefield, or was that really? a focus in your Christian schooling?
3: I think at least in uh, with the focus to post-secondary education, I think I, I noticed that like teachers would often, I don't know if it was, yeah, I don't know if it was so explicit, but it was definitely, uh well, my, at least my parents would, would say like, yeah, like this is kind of pr- preparing you, but like the world's a disaster. So like you're here now, soon you're going to be in this, this, you know, hellscape. That's basically, (laughs) which, which helps like prepare your mind for, I mean, I took that as just continue to shelter yourself when you get there, just don't do anything and go home and go hunting. But I mean, if you're a more social person who's looking for that whole college experience, it does like, I think that was there in our high school, at least like, yeah, like this is Christian education, but there's very much not Christian education coming. So but in, in, as a culture in general, I think it's, it's gone beyond since I've been like, I graduated high school in 2010. And since, like, since then, the culture is a lot more uh, pointed, in it's attack, right? Like, so I think even high school students need to be on alert, whereas like, we weren't on social media, like we had Facebook kind of was just getting going. But like, yeah, well, I guess I was just getting going on it. But Facebook, but there was no, like, it wasn't really bombarding you yet. Like the Instagram, TikTok kind of wave. It was more like, what do you want to see? Now it's a lot more, what do we want you to see? So I think there's a little bit more, it's probably pushed the age that, that you know, we need to start understanding that back a bunch, like, you know, to grade five, six, you know, start, you know, yeah. teaching kids that the world's not a passive force. Mm-hmm. right it's like yeah. w- when we had uh chris gordon on talking about the sexual catechism
1: too that was mm-hmm. maybe 10 episodes ago or something like that and just how youtube catechizes uh kids so much these days too um it was definitely em- emphasized i think when i was going through high school so about six years after tyler i guess um and we definitely had apologetics classes and stuff like that too but yeah. You really need to get on it pretty early. I don't know if it was so explicit in elementary school, but, uh, you know, my parents talked about it a bunch. Right. Did you have it growing up, John, or what was your experience?
2: Um, it was a bit of shock and awe getting to university because, uh, we had been prepped. So I, I knew things, creation, evolution, knew there'd be going to be controversies, but it's just, you go to university and all the smartest people in the room, uh, think God's dead. Think, uh, homosexuality we had a column in the paper um nine one in ten it was in the student paper and it was just all about homosexuality um we had pro-choice tables to, to promote um abortion so it was a little bit uh, overwhelming to go from the, the nice sheltered place to go there um and i didn't see it as an opportunity until like three or four years later i have a, a a diploma and a, and a degree so it was kind of my second go through um it, then it was fun to take on the profs but early on it was like get me out of here this is this is just um it, it was too much and so I, I do see it with my niece and nephews that they seem a little bit more ready to just contend right out of the gate
1: hmm.
2: and so yeah i was wondering if we're seeing it as that opportunity
3: or seeing it as that maybe a challenge or a threat yeah that's that's encouraging at least that the younger generation sees it like that but yeah I always found like especially in the education it's easy to put your put a wall up like go to university but you know half of what you hear from a prof is going to be like I did a course on natural disasters which was like some throwaway elective I had to take to finish my degree and I don't even think I went to class but A lot of that was evolution stuff but you just know like you know by the title of the course what you're going to get so um but I think it's the the subtle things that you don't see it's like the it's just how the the culture of of everything everyday life and how like even the students react to that like the expectations of language that you use and like when I went through university you could still joke about like you can still joke about things that you would never say now. (laughs) So just all those little things. uh, I think that's just like something on students that, that you can't really uh, just put your walls up against unless you just leave. (laughs) Right. Yeah. No, I wrote a, I wrote a
2: opposition piece for the paper on homosexuality and I could actually get it in. Um, It was humorous. It
3: was all that, but I I could actually have that back then. It's just a public lynching now, right? Like this just,
2: yeah, well, that's... I will say when I went into class after having that piece, it was a two hundred person classroom. I walked in late. Everybody shut up. <laughs> they all just looked at me. So there was still a bit of a you're getting noticed. I, you're
3: getting noticed. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. No, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. No, if I can, uh, I don't know if John or anything else. Otherwise, I'm gonna jump in on like some of this. So John's work on the league um, of of Canadian Reform schools. A uh, crazy acronym. Um, I I like like I knew a lot about what he did. And he's actually uh, he's actually one of the guys that I ran this idea by before. I think I even before I ran it by Lucas. Like uh, or before we started actually chatting about it being a thing, I thought like, well, this is actually a good podcast is a good idea. And he was like very excited about it. So. um but John's work on the league, I was pr- kind of familiar with it, but it was good to like see how that whole organization is kind of structured and then like the benefits. And then obviously now being at West, I'm, I'm thinking about it like, all right, let's bring it out here. Let's start like kind of unifying our, all of the schools around the country and not just Ontario. Cause you know, we can all use that curriculum work and we can all use that, you know uh, just, just a heads up on what the culture is going to bring us or the, you know, what governments are going to bring us uh, into, into our schools and stuff. So yeah, just hopefully that was informative for people just to see, especially people who aren't like in, as part of a board or part of the education, you know, kind of world, but.
2: Yeah. I, I, I appreciate you had that experience of going through the review process with them. I, I didn't know anything about that. I, I've been on the school board too. And the, the, the difficulty I found being on the school board is nobody elected me to do anything. Like they put me up there. Cause they think I'm not going to run off the money. Um, and so there's a trust level, but I, I wanted to get apologetics going. Nobody, nobody resisted. Nobody was opposed. Um, but I also didn't feel like I had a really great mandate to push it hard. So mm-hmm. we have, we have something going and, uh, everybody was happy to do it, but I, nobody could really just ram more through because on what basis, I mean, yeah, right. this yep. principal kind of would like it. And you know, we hadn't, whereas that review process that you talked about, um, with everybody coming down and saying, well, what I'd like a swimming pool. I would like, a,
3: you know, an college <laughs> program.
2: Well, how yeah, it really helps
3: like pool? the membership gets on, on the same page. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So we've done surveys before, but, but, uh, the problem with the survey was, you know, we have maybe 80 supporting families or something like that. Well, some of the, some of the things might get supported by four people, and that's the high mark because they're just randomly dispersed everywhere, uh, whereas that process seemed to to really give you an opportunity
3: to, co- to coalesce around around mm-hmm. a few ideas. Yeah, yeah. If anyone's listening from a board, I would I would encourage like encourage your board to get the league to do that for your school. You, I know churches have done it too. Like, I mean, obviously, <laughs> you're like the gospel is the most important, but like, what you know, what things are important to us all? Are we gonna be missional are we going to be whatever yeah
1: mm-hmm. yeah it definitely it definitely showed me the importance of what uh the league can do for the schools and the and the important role it plays and how it's structured with all the various committees and subcommittees so yeah it's nice to hear the lots of good work is, is going on there so definitely encourage people to get involved any further thoughts on that guys or we want to move on to, to church planning yeah let's move good. on good to go perfect all right well ty i know you were raring to go to talk about uh this one it was a fun one for me. I loved uh, chatting with uh, Pastor Pastor Eric and get uh, a lot of. I mean, the guy was a cool machine, so it was just a fantastic time chatting with him. So, what did you uh, what you make of that interview? You call him
3: Pastor, but he was like Doc Reverend Doctor. So, oh, so. I know. Oh, well, he's a friendly guy. So. <clears throat> yeah, no, that his bio was like impressive right off the hop. So, um, right. yeah, there was a lot from there. Like, just I'm really interested in this. This topic, I mean, we've talked about it obviously before on the podcast, like the missional church, uh, that kind of movement, and like how does like evangelism fit in, but like his the way he described uppercase versus lowercase evangelism, I thought was like I mean, not something I had never thought of, but I've never thought about in that those terms, and um, so, yeah, the sorry. one
2: What is the uppercase versus lower?
3: Well, so like uppercase evangelism was like uh evangelism proper i guess like m- basically missions like having a pastor who does it or it would be somebody who's called to it um or somebody who feels like they do that um but, well you yeah, know i could describe it yes like he used the a quote from paul the apostle paul from one corinthians where he says woe to me if i don't preach the gospel so he used that to describe like the person who does uppercase evangelism goes to bed at night thinking woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. Whereas the lay person in a church doesn't go to bed thinking that they do like lowercase evangelism, where, you know, they're, they're living out the gospel in their life and witnessing where they can, and maybe getting involved in the church in a program or um, like still reaching out to their neighbors and through relationships, bringing people to church, bringing people to Christ, but don't preach on the street corner or, you know, like, these things we associate with like actually like actually missionary activities. So I thought that was like an interesting way to differentiate the two. And then he's yeah he he mentioned like he's not there to like he's not advocating tearing things down. So like not um we often think of like Lucas asked like where did we go off the track with our reformed churches in that episode where he was like whoa we didn't go off track but in a way it was like okay well we talk about this in a way because we're not, we're not where we think we should be. So now how do we get back And and our culture? And I think the way we often think about it is like, let's tear the statues down. <laughs> we're like, let's pull it all down. It's all junk. And then we'll build it up again. Right. And it will build it on a better foundation or, or better understanding. But he was like, well, no, 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 we don't need to tear it down. Like, and we're not, it's not like we're, you know, at z and we should be at a like we're we're just a little ways down the track we should just refocus some of our our activities so to understand in the different yeah the capital versus uh lowercase e evangelism um also plays to like the rural urban thing because it's like urban centers you have a lot more opportunity for evangelism whereas rural you can live out your life as a christian very well in a rural area but evangelism looks a lot different like you don't you don't walk down the street with like homeless people. Like it's, you get to know your neighbors over coffee at a farm. Like it's totally different. Right. So one's not good. And one's not bad. Like it's, you gotta just, yeah. Having that, like that kind of dichotomy understanding of it was like, I think that's super helpful.
1: Mm-hmm. How
3: about you, John? What, uh, any thoughts on that one? Well, I, I loved, I
2: love so many of the quotes he had here. One of them was, uh, i think our problem at times is that we have too small a view of the holy spirit um our doctrine of the trinity is too abstract and so what i mean by that functionally is we don't expect the holy spirit to show up and do great things in our church and i was like yeah you know um he talked about how uh god is the god of the impossible not you know just just his weakness um I've experienced that too where I feel closest to God is when I'm doing something where I just so know that it's not within my capabilities. And so I'm going and I'm I my, my biggest thing was I did some political campaigns and uh, they were beyond me and God gave me the words. So why don't I rely on that more often? Why don't I trust that God trust of the Holy Spirit will show up? So when this guy was talking it was like yes, let us Stick our neck out and say, Lord, this is this is where you want me to be. And it's kind of seems stupid for me to be here, but Geronimo and here we go. So Mm -hmm. I I loved it. I love that guy had so much enthusiasm. Um, He he wasn't even talking fast, but he just seemed to be talking fast. So, yeah,
1: Yeah, he talks. uh, Yeah, he talks thoroughly, I would say, like he's just very chooses words well. Had a lot to say in a small amount of time. And he, he lived that, like what you're talking about, too. Yeah. Uh, taking his, I think he he told the story about having, like, they had a child. They moved, like, two or three days after that or something crazy to, like, plant this new church somewhere else yeah. in Florida. It was, yeah, it's just unbelievable. So he's he's definitely put uh, his money where his mouth is as far as that.
3: Yeah. The Holy, the like Holy even, Spirit work. Even his conversion. Like, he was, like, he's yeah. reading a Bible his sister gave him on a tour bus following, I don't know, Grateful Dead or something. Yeah, like yeah, and like yeah, expecting this Holy Spirit to show up, like there's a good example. It's like who expected that? Like he didn't expect it. So no, nope. and we didn't even we didn't get into it. I don't think on the
1: podcast, but he keeps like he has the the ponytail still. He keeps that as like a reminder of of his past to kind of yeah remind him where he came from and what what this Holy Spirit and what God has done in his life. So I thought that was kind of a neat little tidbit to share with people too. Well,
2: that's cool. Yeah. yeah I, I like the one question he asked too uh he's talked about an uncomfortable question of whether could a covenant child graduate our christian schools one of our high schools without ever seeing a parent or church leader lead someone to christ or or just share share the gospel with a non-christian and and the unstated thing there was yes that that could very well happen and that's where you know as a parent um there's a prod right there like I don't know, as a single guy, you might think maybe I'll get to it. I'll, I'll do it. I'll get along to it. But as uh, somebody entrusted to model what God wants, your hypocrisy kind of pops up a little bit more because it, it, you know, you can see the mirror of your kids. So mm-hmm. that, that's a pretty, uh, pretty potent kick in the pants.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: yeah. I, I know. I had to consider long and hard. Yeah, I don't. I
1: don't know if I've actually seen, well, I mean, growing up under a pastor, you do see that a little bit, but like, yeah, just out there, like in for teachers or other, other authority figures growing up, like, it isn't something I I saw too often. And I'm not saying that to to slam anybody, like, it's just as much on me now, like, it's not a regular habit. And I think it, it should be.
2: Right. No, and I wonder what those opportunities are, because the ones that I seize on because they're a little bit easier for me are pro-life stuff. Um, and it's also easier to to take a kid to something or just go to a march, go to a um, me and my kids have uh, gone to a fair and manned a booth or something like that. Yep. But, yeah, do we have an evangelism booth at the local fair or those those sort of things don't seem
3: um, at the ready? Uh, well this is one thing I, I was thinking about what it's, it's kind of this dichotomy too, but we do. um, We're, he's talking about organic, like in your life, living it out when you meet somebody and we've had people like, I'm thinking Hildy Sloots was on the podcast. She talked about just like inviting a homeless guy over. And you're like, that to me was like, whoa, but like also it doesn't need to be that. It can be a guy you gave a ride or a coworker, like something, but like, we, are we in our i guess in our minds but also in our churches do we like understand like the organic versus like the what do you say like programmatic i don't know like do we do evangelism through programs yeah. we're like well we have this great program we can ev- like a new new to the new to the faith and that's always like good in our churches but do we use that as like a cop out to not live it or not learn to do that ourselves right we been, well or is our default like we'll get them into church. And then do we like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's the opposite of, are we expecting the spirit to show up for the person in church and not in our conversations organically, like in our life, like, but where's, where's that line? Like, should we stop some of these programs and just like focus on the, yeah, I don't know.
2: Well, all of the, all of the above, Um, but also, No, but I, season where they come, I, I'm, I'm a quiet guy, shy guy. I had a friend who uh, we'd always go work out together at the pool and in the sauna, the guy would just start talking about, you know, what God's up to this week, uh, his thoughts on homosexuality. And suddenly he'd be about twice as loud as he normally is. And we'd have everybody in the sauna listening to us. And so all I had to do was just not run out of the sauna. Um, so I'm his wingman. I get to, I get to help out. Uh, so so it doesn't always have to be big, um, but I guess those those sort of things can can pop up and and then you just got to grab them.
1: Yeah, there's I guess, there's yeah. opportunities out there for sure. Like just whatever you talk to people in public life, you're running into somebody at the counter of store or at the gas station, or you beside them on a plane. Like uh, I can think of an example of going to like these uh, back in November we had meetings for for RP, and I traveled out with uh, one of the board members who probably would like me to say this, but he, he sat down by this lady and he chatted with her like the entire flight and gave her a bunch of rp material and uh i'll leave it out for you know for people to determine who that might be might be a guest on this thing eventually <laughs> he could be yeah. he could be he's yeah. intimately involved in rp <laughs> so anyways i i just just thought of that now as as you guys were talking and that's to me is yeah okay i definitely there are examples of people who do that and like you say john you don't have to be an extrovert necessarily it might make things a little easier initially but there's there's lots of people you can think of, like I, I can think of in my own life who you yeah, you're involved as like kind of the acquaintance level, or even just casually just see him once in a blue moon or like just once. Like you can just leave a little pebble in the shoe. And we had a lady who did professional faith in our church a few weeks back who the she came to Christ because of a co-worker who was uh who went to our church. And that that lady actually already passed away. But then by the time I believe she came to our church, she just met a bunch of other people at church and they kind of walked through the whole faith journey. And it was just like, that was, and that was like four years ago. So yeah. that it came to, came to a head a few weeks, a few weeks back. So these things, you never know what, what the spirit will do and, and just put a little pebble in someone's shoe get thinking and you never know where it can
3: go. Yeah. It's just being like being, well, you know, I, I can give an example too, but I mean, it's, it's my wife. It was a good example for my wife. So she'll like that, but she doesn't listen. So that's fine. Um, just like things i'm not good at it like I'm, I'm not but it's little things where you just don't just don't be afraid of who you are because people don't often like even often react negatively to hearing that like so we were actually at an appointment uh for like well my wife's pregnant so like just just ready to give birth any day now um with our third so that's super exciting for everybody john wanted me to mention this too um yes we were at an appointment in the, and the nurse was asking like all about us. And we just moved to Alberta. And while well, you have no, like, where are your other kids and like, whatever. And she's like, do you have any family here? She said, no, we don't have any family here or whatever. And I'm just like ready to let it slide. And she's all surprised. Like, how do you even do this? Where are your kids right now? And my wife was like, yeah, but we have a great church family. And it was like, you don't have to be like, you don't have to like start preaching the gospel. But now she's like, Oh, like that can be a thing. Like she probably just never, ever heard that before. So something right. little like that. And I was like, well, oh, like, yeah, kind of like good on you, but also like, I, that's not, I don't know if I would have said that, but now I'm like thinking about other times where you can just add that little, it's not like, it's not like, it's not organic to the conversation. It's not like it's offensive. It's like, what are they going to think? Right. But it's something that gets them thinking. And then, yeah, you don't know what the Holy spirit will do. Like they might yeah. be lonely. They might be like, I should look for a church. Right. And then next time I go there, they might be like, Hey, I didn't know you were a church guy. Like, Who knows, right? Well,
2: and and, and even the confidence that it's not just that it won't be offensive. Like that is, that's my default too, right? right. I I don't (laughs) kick you off with my thoughts on homosexuality. But you know why you need to hear them? You need to hear them because it's actually bad for you. And God is a loving God and his uh, love comes out through his commandments too. So to have the confidence, like I haven't spoken out on homosexuality in a public setting like that. But to have the confidence to do that, I do that with abortion because it's just an easier line to draw. Uh, I feel very capable of doing that. We trust, yeah, you know what, killing a baby versus not killing a baby. Oh, you know what, I can see how God's love work out, works out there. But but we have to have that confidence with these other things. Hey, there's two two guys who are hanging out together. They're, you know, 80-year-old gentlemen. Um, and uh, do I really want to mess things up for them? Yeah, they're committed in rebellion against God. Maybe maybe it would be a good thing to bring bring up. So just confidence that what God says is good is good, and what He says is bad is bad. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah.
1: I mean, yeah. There's a ton of lessons we could probably keep pulling out of there, but that's. I think we kind of got to the gist of it there. Just that push for personal <laughs> personal evangelism. You got some, <laughs> you may have some final thoughts. I'll throw back to you,
2: John, for a sec. If you want. No, to some no I'm good. I'm good. You're, you're moving us along. It's Way to go.
1: No, it's good. It's good. Oh, <laughs> otherwise we're here for two hours and people get annoyed. So we'll keep it moving. Uh, next up, we have actually John's segment on biographies. So uh, he has a top 10 list for us, which he will do so in five minutes, 30 seconds of book. Your time yeah. starts now, John.
2: Yeah. Okay. You know what? I uh, was going to do top five of uh, easier reading and, 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 and that's what i'll do and then i'll do top five a little bit more serious so um one reason that i'm doing biographies here one reason to do biographies is to see god showing up just to see what he did in other people's lives and when you read christian fiction you can have miraculous things happen but is that uh is that genuine to life does it really resonate does it stick sometimes it just seems really fake but um when the miraculous happens and it happened um, it's it's just a wonderful thing to to see and to learn about who our God is. So um, so reading biographies is I can't emphasize how how wonderful it is. Um, but we're not all readers, and so you know you can have a big eight hundred page tome or you can have a comic book on Luther. Um, this is uh, Echoes of the Hammer. It's wonderful. The only the only quirk in it is it says that one of his rivals was calvin so we'll just forgive them that but it's a wonderful biography of um luther i don't know you can it's a little bit studious some of it's uh some of it's a bit text rich but you want to learn about luther you want to hand it off to a kid they might open that up um as far as seeing god show up this is uh when faith is forbidden this is about some 40 different chapters uh, about things happening in the Middle East and just incidents like um, they tossed a guy's house. They're looking for Bibles. Um, They're going to, he's going to be in a lot of trouble. Um, They look over the whole house to the point where they find like a missing, I think a missing needle or missing hair pick, something really tiny. What they miss is the stack of boxes in the middle of the room full of Bibles. So well. God makes seeing eyes blind. He answers prayers. So when faith is forbidden. Um, just going with uh, a little bit lighter. These are these are a little bit big, but they're fictionalized biographies. So this is Charles Spurgeon and Thomas Johnson, who was a former slave. Uh, they became best friends. Um, they were encouragement to one another. Steal, steal away home. Um, just a wonderful way to learn about Spurgeon I didn't know too much about him turns out he wrote tracks that got burned in the U.S. he was very anti-slavery and the U.S. was often very anti-Charles Spurgeon so it's it's a good read John Knox the Thunder Uh, John Knox is like uh, an action hero the guy was uh, not just a preacher to uh, Queens He was at one point a bodyguard uh, holding a big sword to ward off anybody who was gonna take out uh, the previous preacher. So just a really, really good read. And then uh, these are uh, finishing the the top five of the the lighter reads, just on marriage. um, A Promise Kept is uh, Robertson McQuiltkin, about him and his wife's uh, life, he's a Bible college professor whose wife got Alzheimer's. and uh, he found out she had it. Um, she needed him at home and he dropped his many responsibilities and just went home and took care of her and wrote a book about it. And people thought, how you should get somebody else to take care of her because you have so many things to give God's church. Well, gets me a bit bit clamped, but uh um the vow is a horrible movie it is a wonderful yeah. book um the people who wrote the movie actually bragged that they had never read the book um, so don't see the movie <laughs> that <laughs> sounds like what about- i would do
1: i oh. was just about to say yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah yeah it is about a true true story about um a woman who uh has a car accident loses her memory and she forgets who her husband is because her she loses basically, I think it's the last five years, and she met her husband four years ago. So she wakes up, discovers she's married, um, but she doesn't remember her husband. She is a Christian woman. She did make vows, and so she takes them seriously, and it's about falling in love again. Hmm. So the vow. You're um, going to rip through these really quick? Ah, yeah, keep her going. You're doing
3: well just ignore yeah. his timeline That's good. <laughs> so a top five a, a
2: little bit more studious but really worth the time man of the hour about the Canadian form church's very first pastor jules Takeoven popta um yeah i mean if you if you have any linkage in the in the Canadian form churches this is how it all began uh this guy uh you know his basement was flooded he he was serving multiple churches over vast territories and just what God did with him and and also what he was willing to give to God. Like it is about giving God the glory, but examples like this gentlemen, just to see how much more do we have in the tank? You know, God gave us these skills. Maybe we underestimate what we can do. So he he gave us all. Um, Kara Tippetts is a pastor's wife who was writing a mommy blog. And then she came down with terminal cancer, so this was taking comfort in just the assurance of God. So it's it's a book about dying, the hardest piece. Cara Tippett's um, very just very very powerful. Um, then these are my top three of all time. I don't know if I will ever top these, um, but also about about God showing up, the hiding place, famous to us all, Corey Ten Boom. If you haven't read it, you really got to. Um, this is all about just prayers and um, God providing exactly what they need, when they need it. Not, not They're not having an easy life of it. Um, um, her sister dies. She makes it out. She makes it out on a miraculous clerical error. Um, at one point, when they're in the concentration camps, so, sorry, this is about World War II, uh, at one point, they're in a concentration camp for hiding Jews, and her sister is uh, giving comfort to Corey. you know, there's fleas everywhere. Corey just can't stand it. She can't sleep. Um, well, the the guards won't search their um, their cabin because of the fleas, so they can do Bible studies. So um, Brother Andrew, God smuggler, Again, praying for uh, seeing eyes to be blind, crosses the border. He says, uh, I, got a, I got a Volkswagen full of Bibles. Lord, could you please make them not see them? They don't see them. Takes them behind the Iron Curtain to communist countries all over, goes through China. Um, at one point, he uh, sort of wins a convert to Christ because his Volkswagen uh, passes with someone else. And vehicles are so rare at that stage that they stop and they just chat They're They're gonna exchange some information. And the fellow says, you know what? I'm actually a mechanic. So can I, can I take a look at your vehicle? And he says, sure, yeah. We've only put in gas since we've been here. And the state of the fellow's engine is uh, what, what turned the fellow into a believer because um, that engine couldn't work. It was impossible for it to work. Um, and yet it was still working. This entirely uh, automotively challenged gentleman was going all over communist countries without, um, without a working engine, except it worked. Wow! Uh, yeah, Brother Andrew, God smuggler. Uh, I will say there's some problematic elements in how he presumes on God, but he also notes that sometimes he had foolish prayers. So God still honored some of his foolish prayers, I don't want to go long, but I'm going to share one more. At one point, he's doing an evangelism meeting. And um, they say, okay, we're going to have cake and and tea tomorrow. They don't have cake. They don't have tea. So they start praying for it. And the lady next door says, can I do anything for you? And they say no, because God (laughs) is going to provide. So they turn her down. And what shows up in the mail but a cake that somebody mailed them about a week ago. So God gave them what they needed when they needed, even when I'm sorry, that was just dumb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, crazy. One more. Yeah. yeah. One last one, top one, um, about Louis Zamparini, uh, World War II um veteran. He made it through Japanese concentration camps. He made it through something like 80 days on a raft um, after his plane got shot down. Uh, They made a Hollywood movie of his life and forgot to include God. Now, one of the things that's that's just awesome about this book is he endured a lot before he knew God, Um, but he he felt God's presence. He just didn't know what to do with it. And so that's something... Um, through me, maybe, maybe made me reconsider some stuff. I have some non-Christian friends who I can now see that 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 might very well be God tapping them on the shoulder. Uh, they're not they're not Christian yet. Um, so uh, he, he was in a concentration camp with the Japanese, and and uh, he basically felt God. What what we would say is he felt God's presence, but he didn't even know who God was. So uh, it says he's unbroken, Laura. Hill and Brand's unbroken. Um, but it's it's really about how God repaired him. He brought he brought him back. <clears throat> just an absolutely remarkable look. So that is my top ten. I think I snuck in eleven, but you know,
1: I think one <laughs> of them hit
2: nine. So all right.
1: Well, hey, uh, 10 minutes isn't too bad, you know. Yeah, That's only, only four minutes. Uh, uh well, it's only Linda from Langley banging on her steering wheel. Hurry up, John. Uh, <laughs> uh just, Anywho, okay, so we got one more to go and then we'll uh nice. we'll wrap this show up. So we had uh I had Mike shooting on we talked all about uh medical assistance and dying made. Uh so that was yeah, I enjoyed that conversation too, as you know, morbid as it can be. I think Mike uh well, he gave us a lowdown on you know, if this is kind of the worst case scenario, this is the path we could take. And but there's reason for hope, there's reason for optimism. They've since put a put a stay on it, uh kind of a delay on uh implementing that uh further for minors and whatnot. So that's encouraging at least. And uh we'll see we'll see where it goes in Canada. Um but yeah, it's just to talk to Mike to get his experience about what it was like to go in front of parliamentarians, both uh, you know, MPs and also senators, uh, to go with his wife and to hear his story honestly with his son Marcus passing away. Uh yeah, it's just inspiring. And even just talking to him, I could feel it, even though it was over Zoom, you could you could tell like the Lord's at work in his life and uh, he's uh, yeah, I I think it's it's obviously changed the whole experience. has changed a lot, but uh, but obviously for the better, I would think too. So it was uh encouraging to to hear Mike, and uh, it was yeah, it was nice to to chat with him about this issue, because it's uh it's good to know what's going on. It's important for sure. But maybe I'll throw it over to you,
2: John, for uh, what you got out of it, what you, what your takeaway was. Yeah, you had a lot of uh, interesting back and forth talking, also about uh, the way. I don't know if it was Mike or you, just the way that it's pitched between all life being precious and, you know, that's one side of the conversation or believing human choice is the ultimate, the ultimate thing. And what struck me is, you know, if you, the the human choice one is just an illusion because, uh, you know, if you aren't treating all life as being precious. Then, then as Mike noted, I mean, you just don't even devote the same resources to it. You don't, he, he had wonderful care with Marcus. Um, but that's not available to everybody. Uh, there've there been crazy stories. Like a guy, a guy is, is, uh, in danger of being homeless. So he he's, he's looking into euthanasia or or a lady can't get a ramp up her house. So she, instead she can get a euthanasia, um, uh, course of treatment. Um, so, mm-hmm that's not autonomy that's not you making a choice that's you being steered to the one choice so it's it it just highlights again all life is precious or human autonomy no you aren't you aren't it's all an illusion so um we we got the only thing uh we got the only hope on offer here what what uh the care not kill campaign is hopefully going to rally i mean it already has it's it's uh there's a stay on expanding this to mental health um but they're rallying people where they already are at the liberal government is pushing uh even the secular public so this can rally us and save some people now god's church has to be speaking about that contrast you 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 want to have autonomy you don't have autonomy god's in control and treat all life as he wants it to be treated, or you just have vapor. You just have you have you know war veterans getting medical treatments, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah.
1: No, it's a huge opportunity for for the church and uh yeah, the culture well, the culture, but maybe the public is pushing back a little bit, which is encouraging to see. Uh your thoughts
3: on Ty. Yeah, like I just so. think we're like this, we're kind of at this in this conversation. I feel like the the secular culture is where I don't know, maybe, I don't know exactly the timeline on, on abortion, but like, you got to think it was like the seventies or eighties. Like the, the public opinion on abortion is like completely flipped, but I, I don't think on this, it really has. Like I've seen some witnessing from the, uh, the care, not kill campaign. People throwing flyers on, on vehicles and stuff at like Limeridge mall, I think. And we were finding Facebook posts from random people who got these flyers who were just like appalled. They were just like, losing their minds like they could not believe that that their government would do that and they just people don't pay attention so they don't know right and then it's these people who think they have this autonomy that are pushing this this on people and i mean politicians mostly just pretend that they're doing things for the the public right but i don't think that the public is there like so to speak about this from a christian perspective is This is the one issue where we can be like, it's 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 not controversial at all. I mean, like John said, we shouldn't just worry about that. But like, you're not gonna offend someone by telling them you don't want them to die. That's just like it's just so dumb, right? So, I mean, the narrative is flipped on abortion because now you're trying to fight this whole, uh, you know, it's it's a choice versus it's not a choice. Like, but the average person you talk to doesn't want to die, even the homeless guy who's looking for a euthanasia isn't doesn't want to die he just just doesn't want to be homeless so it's not a hard sell (laughs) like i could keep you alive here's a house oh that worked it's like yeah i just yeah i just don't yeah i'm encouraged where where it's been going but it's it's amazing what the government's trying to do and like it's not like we don't have any literature from the past on like where this thing could go there's like short stories you study in in Uh, in high school that are like what's the one the lottery which is a short story which is like whoever wins the lottery dies like that's so dumb and we all know it but now here we are (laughs) it's like yeah it's unbelievable so you're lucky to be in the states
2: (laughs) we had it before you in washington state sure yeah Yeah. the difference is we don't we don't have uh the medicare system well we don't have the same healthcare system so we have a roman catholic hospital here that won't do it whereas In canada that's not a possibility um yeah, right. but uh, the thing the thing i think that we need clarity on is that uh nobody wants to die until you're 80 and in pain and then things start to look attractive and then if we're saying that it's legit for the 80 and pain well what about the 75
3: what, yeah, the what about what the about they 60? don't want to die they just don't want pain no that's so
2: the, exactly but right? but it but it's just um When it's legitimate for anyone, then it's really hard to make it illegitimate for others. So I would say a lot of the world would be very, very sympathetic to that 80 year old who says, you know, like they'd even look at him and go, oh, yeah, you know, you had your. (laughs) So the contrast is between all life is precious or, or let's kill the mentally ill. Let's kill somebody because they're depressed. Let's kill somebody like there is no, there is no stop for any of the rest of it mm-hmm. yeah. We've heard, we've, heard, yeah sorry go ahead
1: i was gonna say like we can use this moment which i think the care not kill campaign is doing to kind of like again put the pebble in the shoe like put a little wedge in the in this yeah we're going downhill we're sliding downhill quickly like oh let's like pump brakes here let's stop for a second look at what we're doing like hey this is too far and then you got to get into like the deeper worldview stuff and like yeah. when i was chatting with mike he you know he yeah, we're at a position where he you can't even get back to the fundamental two worldviews at play, right? You just they have to go there. They have to give their story, tell why it's a bad idea right now to expand it to to minors and those with mental health challenges. But yeah. if we can use this to get in and be like, hey, like all life is precious. Like I know you want the option when you're 80 to go out on your own terms and to to die with dignity. But let's reexamine that. Like that's I. It's not actually what you think it is, and then we have to go down to the presuppositions. And uh, I don't know. I think that's a huge one for us to keep it. Yeah.
3: So yeah the, they have already pre- swallowed that pill, which is a, you know a, a matter of speaking that's fairly relevant. Um, like yeah. with abortion, they're already it's already fine. Like if you find out your child has like a like Down syndrome, they're like, yeah, like the go-to is abortion. So if you've already seeded that ground. Like how are we gonna get back to a like a let's talk about our worldview perspective? Because they're, so, they're already they're already so far down that think, road. Yeah, but if they go
1: too far, which I think they're doing right now, like Trudeau is clearly pushing farther than public opinion would let him, this is an opportunity to like put a little stake in the ground, and then people are like blabbergas, like what are we doing? We're killing like, you know, a thirteen year old who's got mental health issues. Like that's that's ridiculous. And then you use yeah. that to have the conversation, which gets into the evangelism from before. John's
3: big John a little bit.
2: No, no, we can put a stake in the ground and then we could act like we expect the Holy Spirit to show up. Yeah. That's it. That's it. I mean, you can wrap these three episodes up together. We gotta we gotta teach our young people to be ready to use these opportunities. You know, Mike spoke that's what Mike concluded with at the end of his was you can look at these as challenges and threats, or you can look at these as opportunities. The darker the world is the brighter God's truth shines. And so it's just crazy out there. And so people are getting an inkling of it. And so, yeah, they might be up for aborting the down syndrome kid, but they're not up for aborting the just born kid. Now work it out, figure that what's the difference. Let's actually explore that. Why are you treating one thing as precious and one not? And, and we need to be ready to do that. And then, um, but they just don't care. Oh, but they, Let's wait for the Holy Spirit to show up. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. There you go. We got to educate our kids. They got to go out to the world and be evangelistic so we can talk to people about stuff like
3: made. There you go. All three. Beautiful. <laughs> Look at that. The Love. juggling. He caught, he caught them all at the end. I caught them all. <laughs> oh, you shot juggling. <laughs> yes. We juggled all the balls. That's good. Yep. It's just go. all about sharing Christ with the culture. Episode 65. We've been at this for a while, this podcast thing. Yes. Yes. <laughs> we're getting there. All right, fellas.
1: I think that was good. I think we wrapped it up, put a little bow on it. Any further
3: thoughts or we're good to go? I think we're yeah. Good. Oh, my, my blood's boiling now. So we should probably end it.
1: Yeah, probably. you say something stupid, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, good stuff. Well, folks, thanks for hanging in there with us. I don't know how quite long this one to be in, but uh, this was a fun one. I think we had a good slate of episodes to go over and uh, we're excited to keep, keep going on with the future. It's uh, these conversations are important. Hopefully you enjoy them. Hopefully they inspire you and have your own conversations and they inform you a little bit too. So with all that said, keep having Real Talk. Catch you on the next one.
0: Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Real Talk. We really appreciate you taking the time to listen or watch the show. If you want to send us your feedback and we'd love to hear it, please email us at reformedrealtalk at gmail.com. If you want to find us online or social media, we got a lot of great content there. Just search Reformed Real Talk and we should come right up. This show is created and produced by myself, Lucas Holtfleur, and Tyler Vanderwood. And our wonderful podcast manager who does all the editing is Mariah Tamaga. So we're really thankful for her contribution to the show as well. That's all for now, folks. Thanks for watching or listening, and we'll catch you next time. Bye.